Section 28 of the Critique of Dogmatic Theology and Investigation of the Christian Teaching by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Leo Wiener. Chapter 17, Part 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Laurie Arsenault. The General Judgment Itself its actuality, manner, and properties. Quote, Soon after the appearance upon earth of the judge of the living and the dead, in all his glory, when with his voice there shall arise the dead and the living shall be changed, the judgment over them, the general judgment, will begin. Unquote. The representation of the general judgment as sketched to us in the word of God shows to us, one, the judge sitting on the throne of glory, two, the executors of his will, the angels, three, the defendants, a, all the living and the dead people, b, the righteous and the bad, c, the devils, four, as subjects for the judgment will serve, a, not only the works of men, b, but also their words. Nothing is said about the devils. When the judgment is over, the righteous will be separated from the bad. Some will be placed on the right, the others on the left. Then will take place the proclamation of the sentence by the judge to either division. Quote, then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The holy fathers and the teachers of the church have recognized this representation of the general judgment as unquestionably correct, and have written their interpretations of it." Unquote. Here are the interpretations. Quote, we must not think that the coming of the Lord will be local and carnal, but we must expect Him in the glory of the Father suddenly throughout the whole world. But we must assume that much time will be lost before each will see himself and his works, and the mind will, in a twinkling of time, represent to itself the judge and the consequences of the divine judgment with unspeakable power. All that the mind will vividly sketch before itself and in the mightiness of his soul, as in a mirror, will see the pictures of what he has done." Unquote. The theology says that the judgment is not to be understood as local and carnal, but how it is to be understood for it says that the judgment will be, quote, 1. General. The king comes down from his place in order to judge over the earth. His hosts accompany him in great terror and trepidation. These mortal members will come to be witnesses of the terrible judgment, and all men, no matter how many there have been and are upon earth, come into the presence of the king. No matter how many have been born or will be born, will all come to this spectacle to see the judgment." Unquote. Quote, 2. Solemn and open. 
and he will call heaven and earth to be with him at the judgment. And those who are above and far away will appear with terror and trepidation. And the celestial hosts and the legions of hell will tremble before the judge who knows no favors and who will come accompanied by terror and by death." Unquote. That is the way Christ will come. Quote, 3. Stern and terrible, because it will be done according to the whole divine righteousness and according to nothing but righteousness. It will be a day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans 2, 5. Quote, 4. Decisive and the last, because it will unchangeably determine for eternity the fate of each of the defendants. That is, it will condemn the sinners to torments. Nothing can be added to that. The only feeling which I experienced in quoting these passages was that of terror and horror before that blasphemy which I was committing in copying and repeating them. 266. Concomitant Circumstances of the General Judgment A. The End of the World Quote, during that last day, in which the last judgment of God will take place over the whole world, there will also ensue the end of the world. Unquote. Quote, the end of the world will not consist in its being completely destroyed and annihilated, but in its being changed and renovated by fire. The matter of the reestablishment of men will come to an end with the general judgment where will take place the revelation of the sons of God. Consequently, the creatures themselves must be freed from labor and corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The whole material world must be purified from the deleterious consequences of human sin and be renovated. This renovation of the world will take place on the last day by means of fire, so that in the new heaven and the new earth Nothing sinful will be left, but righteousness alone will abide. 2 Peter 3.13 So here is clearly expressed the idea that the renovation of the world was not achieved by the redemption, that that was spoken of only as an adornment of speech, and that the present renovation will be produced by Christ, not at his first, but at his second coming. Proofs from Holy Scripture of the correctness of this end and the renovation of the world by fire. 267. The end of Christ's kingdom of grace and the beginning of the kingdom of glory. Remarks about the chiliasm or millennium of Christ. That is confirmed. The kingdom of grace will come to an end and the kingdom of glory will begin. That is, the real liberation from sin and death. That is, what heretofore has been asserted of the kingdom of grace. Proofs of that from Holy Scripture and a controversy with those who said that one thousand years before the end Christ would come upon earth, would raise the righteous from the dead, and would reign with them for a thousand years. That is not true. 268. Connection with the preceding and nature of this retribution. After the judgment, Christ will pronounce the sentence, quote, 
This retribution after the general judgment will be full, complete, decisive. Full, that is, not only for the soul of man, as after the private judgment, but both for the soul and the body. For the full man, complete, for it will not consist merely in an anticipation of happiness for the righteousness and of torment for the sinners, as after the private judgment, but in complete happiness and torment, in accordance with the deserts of each. Decisive, for it will persist unchangeable forever, and not for one of the sinners will it be possible ever to free himself from hell, though such a chance is open to some of the sinners after the private judgment." Unquote. 269. Retribution for the Sinners A. In what will the everlasting torments consist? The eternal torments of the sinners will consist, one, in the separation from God and in the curse, two, in the deprivation of the benefits of the kingdom of God, three, they will be in hell with the devils who will torture them, four, they will experience internal torments, five, they will experience external torments of the undying worm and the unextinguished fire. Quote, when you hear of the fire, do not imagine that the fire of that place is like what it is upon earth. Our fire will burn whatever it gets hold of and changes it into something else. But that other fire will eternally burn the one it gets hold of and will never stop. And so it is called inextinguishable. For the sinners, too, have to be vested in immortality, not for their honor, but as an eternal requisite for the torment in hell. No mind is able to imagine how terrible it is, unless from the experience of small calamities one may get a small conception of those great, great torments. If you are ever in a bathhouse which is heated more than is proper, you may imagine the fire of Gehenna. And if you ever burn in a high fever, you may mentally transfer yourself to that flame, and then you will be able properly to understand that distinction. For if the bathhouse and the fever torment and worry you so, what are you going to feel when you fall into that river of fire which will be flowing before the terrible judgment? Unquote. A. They will eternally weep and gnash their teeth. Quote, what will be, unquote, says another Holy Father, quote, the condition of the body which is subjected to these unending and unbearable torments, where there is the inextinguishable fire, the immortality tormenting worm, the dark and terrible pit of hell, bitter sobbing, unusual groans, weeping and gnashing of teeth, and where there is no end to sufferings? From all that there is no liberation after death, and there are no means and no chance to be freed from these terrible torments. Unquote. Such is the condition of the sinner, but what will be the condition of the good God who will eternally look upon it? 270. B. Degrees of the Torments of Hell. Quote, However, 
Although all sinners will be subjected to torments in hell, they will not be in the same degree, but each in conformity with his sins." Unquote. All that is proved by Holy Scripture. 271. The Eternity of the Torments of Hell Quote, But differings from each other in degree, the torments of the sinners in hell will by no means differ in respect to duration, for they will be equally eternal and unending for all. All that is confirmed by Holy Scripture, and there is a refutal of the opinion that the teaching about the eternity of torments is contrary to common sense, not to common sense, but to some low conception of God. According to the teaching of the theology, torments that are not eternal are contrary to sound reason. 272. Retribution for the Righteous A. Wherein will their happiness consist? Quote, as much as, on the one hand, the word of God depicts in gloomy colors the fate of the sinners after the general judgment, so, on the other, it depicts in bright and joyous colors the fate of the righteous. 1. They inherit the kingdom which is prepared for them from the foundation of the world. 2. In this kingdom, city, house of God, the first source of the happiness of these righteous people will be their constant coexistence and cohabitation with God himself and with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the constant participation in the divine glory, as much as that is possible for a creature. 3. Living all the time with the Lord in the kingdom of heaven, the righteous will be permitted to behold the tri-hypostatic one face to face. Unquote. That is, that terrible God who, having created men out of love, torments them forever. 273. B. Degrees of the Happiness of the Righteous. Quote, the happiness of the righteous in heaven, which is common for all of them, has its degrees in accordance with the moral dignity of each. Unquote. That is proved by Holy Scripture. 274. C. The eternity of the happiness of the righteous. The happiness of the righteous is eternal. 275. The moral application of the dogma about the general judgment and retribution. Quote, oh, if we only thought often and attentively of that great day. Acts 2.20 the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, Romans 2, 5, with which some day the whole house management of our salvation will end, if we only presented to ourselves vividly and in detail those endless benefits which are prepared for the righteous in heaven, and those eternal torments which await the sinners in hell. How many incitements we should find for ourselves to abstain from sins and to abide in godliness. So give us all, O Lord, and forever the living and undying remembrance of thy future glorious coming, of thy last terrible judgment over us, of thy most just and everlasting retribution for the righteous and for the sinners, that in its light and in the light of thy grace and aid we may live soberly, 
righteously and godly in this present world. Titus 2.12 And in that manner finally attain the eternal, blissful life in heaven, so as to glorify thee with all our being, thee, with thy beginningless Father and most holy and good and life-giving Spirit, forever and ever. Unquote. End of section 28